Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. Hello, my darling. Sophie Puff, how are you? I'm very good, but don't think I look that puffy, but yeah. <laughs> I'm really good, thank you. Oh, that just reminds me of Powerpuff Girls. Um, it's been really, really good. It's been really intense. It's been action-packed. I have been really run down, but I have been doing a lot, so I feel like it's been a very productive week. My children are all well, except Yumi did hand me a cough, which was very kind of her. So I am once again congested and dealing with a little bit of asthma. But what's new, right? Yeah, what's new? Let me know the last time you weren't congested, lost your voice. <laughs> ah, anyway, 2021, eh? I think I said that in 2022. But any 2022? Anyway, you know what I'm saying. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Yeah, I've had a good week. My lows of the week would be that, you know, we live on the border of Queensland and New South mm. Wales and obviously the border has now been shut. So my heart really goes out to a lot of the small businesses around Around here that really rely on that cross-border traffic. Yeah. Obviously, personally, you know, with what my family does, we've been affected by that and definitely haven't been affected like some of the other cities or businesses in Australia. But yeah, it's hard when you live in an area that relies so heavily on tourism and we were already struggling with the fact that no one from Sydney, no one from Melbourne, no one from Adelaide can come here, but now also nobody from Queensland can come too. But, you know, my family we have an Airbnb near where we live and obviously the next few weeks of bookings have just been straight up cancelled from underneath us. So we've decided to make a high out of it and we are staying here ourselves and we feel Yay. like we're having a bit of a holiday. So yeah, trying to turn Your those lemons down. into lemonade or gin and tonics or vodka gin and tonics, lemonade sure. and soda I'm coming or over. something like that. So how about you? How's your week? Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Living in a coastal town that survives off pure tourism, it is so quiet. I said to my girlfriend yesterday when we were in town, it's like a really eerie feeling that because no one can actually come into where we're living at the moment, there's no one in the shops, there's no one in the restaurants. Locals are, you know, around, but I think that I know a lot of people say this, but if you can support any of your local restaurants and stores in any way get your takeaway get whatever you can and keep supporting them because they're really struggling and I feel for absolutely everyone at the moment who's in lockdown I can't even imagine what you know businesses are going through so yeah my heart goes out to you all but on a high I am going out for dinner tonight and that is my high of the week and I'm really excited. So that will be fantastic. Usually we catch up with our friends who have kids and we decided the other day 
we are always missing conversations because we're too busy running around with the rugrats. So we thought, let's get babysitters. Let's go and enjoy a decent conversation and a decent meal support a local restaurant and have a good time. So that's what we're doing. Amazing. So good. Yeah. Now, do you have a rude or fabulous for us? This okay, week? I do. This one's pretty classic. So, hi guys, love your podcast. No, she didn't say that, but she should have. <laughs> rude or fabulous. I'm in Sydney in the midst of a lockdown. So I spent the last four days toilet training our toddler with me doing vast majority of said training. My husband went out and got everything on the shopping list minus the one thing that was for me. Oh, and by the way, I'm seven months pregnant. So seriously bad move by him. So the vindictive person I am, I gave my toddler four prunes and totted off to the shops with our dog and took the extra long walk. So old mate Husbo could deal with the outcome. Surely that's fabulous. Yes, girlfriend. Nothing like using your toddler's um, <laughs> bowel as like a pawn in your fight. Like, I want to know, know how long she left for. Like, it was a five hours. See, I want to see pictures of the aftermath. How Ew, far did the poo girl. go or did the toddler go in the, to- in the potty? <laughs> now, do you, have so a, good. do you have a mum hack? Yes. This is actually what it does start with. Hi, ladies. Thanks for your amazing podcast. As a first-time <laughs> mum, I've learned so much from you both and tell all mummers about the podcast. Aww. I have a hack for you. Use your vacuum cleaner without the head attachment to get the toys that end up under the couch. Actually moving the couch and seeing slash cleaning everything under there is not something that I ever want <laughs> to do. <laughs> That's really good, actually. And she sent through a picture of her vacuum stem with a yellow ball on the end that she's obviously got out from under the couch. But it's incredibly phallic looking now that I'm looking at it properly. (laughs) Hey, on that note, on that note, I have seen a dad hack with a vacuum and he has a hair tie on the outside of the vacuum tube and then he just puts that at the end of his daughter's hair, sucks the daughter's hair up (laughs) and the hair tie goes on her head as a ponytail. I'm not recommending that because your child may end up bald. (laughs) (laughs) I think if they've got a thick head of hair, give it a go for sure. Now we're super excited about this week's episode of the podcast. We spoke to the beautiful Tegan McKinnon. She is the wife of Alex McKinnon and the mama of toddler Harriet and fresh little newborn twins. We chatted all about what it's like to have a partner who um, has a spinal cord injury and is Mm. in a wheelchair and, you know, the challenges that arise because of that and the way they've kind of adapted as a family because of that as well. And we also chat about the realities of having twins, which is a whole nother topic in itself. But really interesting. And she is an incredible human being. We love chatting with her and we hope you guys enjoy it as much as we did. Hello, Tegan. Thank you so much for joining us on Beyond the Bump today. Before we get started, if there's anyone who's not familiar with yourself and your family, are you able to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you guys? Um, My name's Tegan. I'm 27. My husband is Alex McKinnon. He used to play for the Newcastle Knights. He got injured in a game in 2014, I want to say, which left him in a wheelchair. So we have been together all 11 years now married three this year 
and we have three little girls. Oh, how beautiful. I've got three little girls too. And I have two. So between us, we've got eight girls. (laughs) (laughs) So many girls. Girl power. Now tell us a little bit about when Alex's accident occurred. How was that for you and kind of what thoughts did you have at the time around the future possibility of having kids or was it that kind of out of your mind at that time? It was so long ago now, but it just, it happened really fast. And I guess Alex and I were a bit immature at the time and didn't think it was going to be as serious as it is or as long living, I guess, as it is. I think Alex thought about having children pretty much straight away when the injury happened. He just saw his life kind of flash before his eyes, but we didn't really think seriously about our future together until he got transferred to the Sydney hospital and we ended up seeing a um, sexologist and she gave us some like tips and tricks on how to keep Alex's sperm really healthy and mobile so that we have the best chance in the future to have children. And would you mind telling us a little bit about the injury in itself? Yeah, so Alex got injured in a tackle. He got flipped on his head. So his, I can't remember which vertebrae flipped over which, but one knocked over the other, dislocated, and pretty much it was the weight of like a 10-cent piece had landed on his spinal cord and then it popped back in, so it repositioned itself. So in terms of his injury, it's it was all bruising and it was really hard to tell what was going to come from just that bruising. So it's really a guessing game for the doctors and for us still now because you don't know what's going to resurface or what's kind of, you know, gone forever. But, yeah, it was pretty crazy. So is nothing at this time permanent? Where is he at right now? Uh, I'd say it's pretty permanent, like unless for some reason there was, there's a lot of like um, research going on on how to help people with spinal cord injuries, Mm -hmm. but I'd say like his mobility at the moment is pretty permanent. So he can use all of his upper limbs. He has full feeling across his whole body, just can't move his legs and his hand function is a bit off. But um, yeah, other than that, he's yeah, from the waist up, he's pretty good. And so when you guys decided, okay, we're ready to start a family now, what did that involve for you? Yeah, so we started thinking about that the year that we got married, so 2017, and we had bought, it's pretty much like a male vibrator, which makes you produce sperm when you use it. So we'd been using that regularly since his injury to keep it nice and healthy. And so in 2017, we started trying, we went straight to a fertility doctor in Newcastle because we thought, well, we don't really know what to do in this circumstance. You can't just have regular intercourse and fall pregnant. So we started seeing her and she just told us we had to go on a six-week period where Alex needed to produce sperm three times a week to get like a really good batch. So at the six-week point, then we collected a sample and they tested it to see what our chances were. Because we were both pretty young. I was 24 at the time yeah. and Alex would have been 26. So we had nothing else really wrong with our reproductive organs. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was super lucky. It was just about getting from point A to point B pretty much. And then so can you turkey-based type situation or do you have to go full IVF? (laughs) And what is that that little um, the male vibrator Vibrator. do? Yeah, It's called a Verticare and it's um, you literally – place the penis onto it and it vibrates it which then acts as like an orgasm and yeah the your sperm just comes out wow 
Yeah, it's crazy. And a few actually women who have partners with a spinal cord injury have messaged me asking, you know, what have you done? Yeah. All these types of things. And that's the first thing that I've told them to go and get because it literally just keeps your sperm. Otherwise, it just goes dormant and it goes kind of stale, I would assume. Yeah. So, yeah, we did. We went to the fertility specialist and she said, try the turkey baster method. So, you know, for I think it was a good four or five months, we would, you know, producing the sperm, shooting it up me, leg, mm. my legs in the air every time. And it just was not getting anywhere. And they did say there was a very low chance that it would happen because Alex's sperm was healthy, but his mobility was low. So they weren't very fast swimmers. Right. So the chance of them actually reaching my egg was pretty low. So we tried that for yeah, five months. And then in the December of 2017, we started um, IVF. And did they think the mobility issues were related to his injury or just a coincidence? No, yeah, 100% related to the injury. Just because he wasn't active in moving around, his sperm weren't getting turned over and, you know, and also because he's sitting in the chair, like it affects the Mm. feet of your sperm and your testicles. So, yeah, no, all injury related. And then what was the next step? Um, so then we went to Jenea, a clinic here in Newcastle, and they pretty much just stepped us through the whole procedure. I had to get a lot of blood work done, internal ultrasounds, and um, they told us about the injections. And they literally, we went there in December and they're like, right, we can get you on the cycle for January, the first cycle of the new year. And we're like, holy shit, that's, <laughs> that's really fast. <laughs> like I didn't think it was going to be that fast. So we kind of jumped on board and I started, yeah, my injections after my first period in the January. And how did you find that? Did you, you know, did did your body cope well with those hormonal type injections or did you find it a bit of a whirlwind? It was a bit of a whirlwind at the start because I had I had a really bad phobia of needles before IVF. Now I'm used to it and after pregnancy you get mm. used to needles, I suppose. But I always joke with Alex that those injections <laughs> like really mellowed me out and made me like super happy for like the two weeks that I was on them. It was so weird. They were actually valiant. So my body was really, really good on the injection. So I didn't actually have any yeah, side effects or anything. And they worked super well on the normal dose that was given to me. And so then what happened next? How long did it take for them to, uh, what did they do? put the sperm in the egg. (laughs) Yeah. So after that week, I had another blood test and ultrasound to check my follicles. And then literally they book you in for an egg retrieval. I went in, got my eggs retrieved, which is funny in itself because you're kind of like twilighted. So you know what's going on, but like Mm. you don't. And I ended up waking up with the number 13 written on my hand. So I had 13 eggs collected. Wow. And they take that. Yeah. That's a lot, isn't it? a good amount. Yeah. Yeah heaps so I was super happy with that they take the 13 and inject them all with sperm that day and then you wait five days to see I guess which ones kind of survive and thrive so that was cool and there's like an app that you get and you can watch like your embryos grow over the five oh my days. gosh I would just be on that the whole time that is incredible that you can do that yeah it was crazy so they update the app I think at 11 o'clock every morning and you could see like the different stages 
and like which ones kind of weren't developing. How beautiful that you can be still a part of the process and the journey while you're not in the actual room of the... Yeah, of it happening. It was super cool. It was, yeah, made you feel more connected. And then like on the picture of the one that gets put back in, they say like transferred and then these ones were frozen. So that was cool. So yeah, after five days of waiting, I think 10 of my embryos were successful and they chose the best one and... Yeah, I got Harriet transferred back in on the 20th of January, Amazing. 2018. Oh, so quite as streamlined, I guess, as that whole process mm. can be. Oh, super, super easy and super grateful that it was because, yeah, being in the waiting room, talking to other people that were going through it, like some had been there so many times, we were just really fortunate that it took that first time. And how was your pregnancy? My pregnancy with Harry was a dream. I loved being pregnant. I didn't get sick. I didn't really have any symptoms yeah. I, the only thing that was really annoying about Harry's pregnancy was I got really bad hormonal acne. Ah, uh, yes. So that was not fun. But the other anything else to do with her pregnancy was like just bliss and her labour was super easy. And oh. did that last the whole time? Yeah. And during your pregnancy, did you speak to any other partners of people with spinal cord injuries to kind of best prepare yourself how you can kind of like adapt your parenting to work for you guys? I didn't personally, but I know that Alex reached out to a few of the guys from the Gold Coast that had had children um, and just asked some tips and tricks. But we kind of just were going in it into it like naively, I guess, being first time parents and just kind of taking a wing and hoping that it worked out. But we've definitely learned from the first time now with the twins. <laughs> I guess everyone goes into it naively a bit and, you know, you have to, yeah. no matter what your situation is, I guess you have to work out what works for you. It's not to say that every person in a wheelchair is going to want to parent the same way, just like. Oh, exactly, yeah. yeah. And so what kind of things have you found, you know, uh, like what kind of things have you found are challenges with Alex being in a wheelchair and what things have you kind of adapted to make it work? Yeah, I guess, well, the no, like the clearest one is his physical ability. Like he just, he can't physically help, you know, with a lot with the girls, like picking the babies up or changing them, feeding them, you know, those types of things, rocking them to sleep. So that has been probably the biggest challenge. And Alex and I are super honest with each other. I mean, the other night, both of the t- girls were just hysterical during the middle of the night. And I looked at him, I'm like, I'm so frustrated at you. Yeah. Like, you were just laying there. I know you can't help me, but it's just, frustrating to see him not being able to help me so can he not use his hands no not while he's in bed because he's laying flat on his back but in the wheelchair yes he can use his hands and he does help during the day like hold the girls wow that's yeah, so during interesting night, yeah when he's put to bed by his carer yeah there's nothing like he can't get out of bed to help or yeah change or burp so that's that's probably the hardest challenge at the moment Oh, that's really, yeah, That I can imagine that would be really difficult. And, you know, like, do you get feelings of, you know, do you get resentment? resentful? Oh, and, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't be honest to say that you didn't because I've I've, say, I've said it to Alex because otherwise it just bottles mm. up inside of me and I ended up just bursting out for him for no reason. And it happened with Harriet too, even having just the one, like I used to, you know, in the middle of the night you're trying to get your child to sleep and there's just no one else there to help you. So, yeah, that is 
that's one of the tricks. But I find it's even harder when there is someone there, but mm. they can't. Mm. Like I like I'm not saying I can yeah, when they choose I not can to understand <laughs> your situation yeah. at all, but like if Nick's at home just sick and can't help, I'm like, Oh, well if you're gonna be here, help. And if you can't help, yeah. then don't be here. So I can't 100%. even imagine, you know, yours is on another level to that and it's day in, day out. That would be really challenging. Yeah, it is challenging. And that's something that we're always working at. And just trying to be as honest as possible. Because I know it's not easy for him to sit there and no. listen to the girls cry or watch me, you know, be so like super stressed or worked up about it. So, And how long did it take for you guys to decide that you were going to go for another child? <laughs> well, yeah, just trying for the one child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make that clear. Definitely <laughs> hoping for twins. Um, we started talking about it, I want to say, Easter of 2020 because my sister had literally announced that she was pregnant with her first baby and then my girlfriend Kayla had announced that she was pregnant and I was just like Alex oh wouldn't it be nice if you know we had a child around the same time as all our friends and my sister (laughs) yeah (laughs) so my sister's baby had a cousin that was really close in age because Harriet was the only grandchild at that point so then we started thinking about it then and we didn't end up going to the clinic until the August so yeah so Harriet was how old then uh she was one and a half almost two um she turned two in the October and did you use the the frozen embryos that you had there yep so we had um, so you didn't have to go through that process again no I didn't have to do the hormonal injection so we had nine in the freezer and yeah I just had to do I think it was two weeks of blood monitoring and then Yep, just pop the next one in. So that was super easy again. So that took the first time in a big way. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's like, oh, it doesn't even look like it's been frozen. It's really, really healthy. And now I'm in the back of my head going, did she know <laughs> that it was going to be twins? So tell us about when you found out you were having twins. How far along were you and what was that like? Yeah, we were eight weeks. We were going for our dating scan with our fertility doctor. So I had felt really good for the first six weeks of my pregnancy this time. And then the seventh week was like the second week of the holidays. And I was super crook. Like I was so sick. Everything was making me feel nauseous. I couldn't even stand to be in the room when Alex was cooking dinner. Like I just felt atrocious. And I was thinking I have to go back to work and I'm going to be in a staff room and everyone's food's going to just People are eating tuna. Yeah. (laughs) Who does that in the staff room? Um, So, yeah, I remember thinking that. And then I woke up the Monday of my eighth week of pregnancy and it was all gone. Like I just felt like so good again. I was like, this is the best feeling ever. And then I had our appointment on the Thursday and I was telling my doctor that when we first got in there and she's like, oh, that's really concerning that your symptoms have kind of just disappeared. And I didn't even think about that because, you know, I had such a cruisy pregnancy Mm. with Harry and I was just so happy to not be sick. So anyway, we got in there and she um, did my ultrasound, couldn't find anything with the normal ultrasound machine. So she had to do the internal and you know how you can feel it when it's in there and you're just like, oh, it's not nice. So she was over one side of my uterus and she's like, oh, no, here, here's the baby, like all's well, there's the heartbeat. And then she kind of flicked to the other side and there was another sack with the baby. You're like, that's the same went, side, right? <laughs> I knew straight away. I was like, far out, like that cannot be happening. I just started laughing hysterically because I'm a really nervous laugher. <laughs> so when something's like uncomfortable, I was just like, 
pissing myself. The poor ultrasound machine, like wand oh is like God. jiggling. <laughs> and Alex has got no clue. And she's like, the doctor is just smiling. So like massive. And she's like, oh, there's the other one. <laughs> and Alex's face is just like hand to the face, slapped it. And he's said a few swear words. Like, <sighs> are you just make sure, are you really sure that there's two in there? She's like, I'm really sorry, but yes, there's two in there. And so I was still laughing at that stage, just thinking, wow, what have we got ourselves into? And Alex was just in pure shock. And so, yeah, the rest of the appointment was, it kind of just went over our head. She spoke about all like the things that could kind of go wrong with twins and that we needed to make sure that we were doing. But Alex and I were just sitting there with this glaze yeah. over our face going. Not the time, not You're listening. I'm in language, shock. Yeah. I'm not taking any of this in. We got into like the car after the appointment and Alex is like, I need to go talk to someone else, not you. Like I can't talk to you about this right now. Like I need to go and process this by myself with someone else. And I'm like, that's fine. So I think we kind of didn't talk about it for like a week (laughs) before we really spoke about that we were actually having twins. (laughs) So that was, yeah, it was a real shock to the system. Absolutely. And then how was the rest of your pregnancy? Like did you feel different to when you just had Harriet? Um, my, the rest of the pregnancy was really cruisy. I didn't feel that much different to Harry, except for, I was just really, really fatigued and super tired all the time. And I don't know if it was running around after Harry or just like growing two humans as well. That made me super tired, but everything else was fine. I didn't get any. I can't um, believe you didn't get any morning sickness, like from that week. Didn't get morning sickness again. It was the best. I have a weird stalker thing to confess, but I've already confessed it to Tegan on Instagram when you were in like, you were like 30 something weeks pregnant and you were on (laughs) holidays at the Gold Coast and it was nonstop raining. And I went to Bounce and Tegan and her family were at Bounce. And obviously Tegan had to go on the trampoline with her daughter and I knew you were pregnant with twins and you were like 30 something (laughs) weeks pregnant I was on there and because I'd had two kids I was worried enough about my pelvic floor I was like how is this woman pregnant with twins like pretty close to a day jumping on a trampoline (laughs) was amazing to do it so sneakily because the man kept coming over and going you can't get on the trampoline when you're pregnant I'm like I know but like there's no one else to get on here with my Mm. daughter right now but yeah, that was, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> and then when you were looking, you know, towards your birth, was there an option to deliver vaginally or was it always cesarean or what were your options there? Yeah. So I went back to the same obstetrician I had for Harriet and she was kind of more pro cesarean because it's safer for the twins. But she also understood our circumstances. You know, if I had a cesarean, I wouldn't mm, be able to lift yeah. the girls. I wouldn't be able to drive. Alex isn't, he's not as able to be as hands-on as any other husband or partner could be if you had a cesarean. So she was really understanding about that. So she just said, look, if you check all your boxes, you know, the pregnancy goes really well. The girls are a good weight. There's been no issues throughout it. Then yes, you can try and deliver vaginally. So that was really good to have her, I don't know, be prepared for both Yeah, and know my feelings, you know, the whole time I was like, I just really want to have yeah. a natural birth. And she said, well, if you really want a natural birth, you're going to have to have an epidural just to make sure if anything goes wrong, then we can quickly get you into theatre or we can, you know, reach up inside of you and get twin B down. 
Um, so I said, that's fine. I will have an epidural. Had you had an epidural with Harriet's delivery? No, I didn't. I didn't have any pain relief with Harry. So I was a bit nervous about that, just about the different feeling that you mm. get, obviously, when pushing. But it was great. I loved the epidural. It was nice. And were you induced <laughs> or did you go into labour spontaneously? No, I was induced at 36 weeks. Okay. Um, so I had to have the steroid injections the two days leading up to my induction and then I went in that night and I was already two centimetres dilated. So I guess if I didn't get induced then maybe they would come pretty soon after that anyway. Yeah. But I didn't actually need any intervention to get me going other than the cetone the next day. And then so what's it like when you, I mean, I know every twin delivery would be different, just like every singleton delivery is different, but what happens? Oh, it was crazy. So I, I stayed in the night before because I was already two centimetres dilated and they just came up at seven that morning, the, 20, the morning of the 26th and took me down. I walked down. I was really ill-prepared actually. I didn't even take a change of clothes to get changed into after I had the girls. I just wore what I wore during the labour, which was very silly of me. <laughs> um, so I walked down to the labour suites and I was in the same room that I had Harriet, so that was really nice. And my midwife was Steph. She did midwifery and also works at a beauty salon in Newcastle. So she had actually like given me a few facials over the years. Oh, so that was talented lady. She walked, yeah. She walked in and I was like, how do I know you? And she's like, oh, I've given you a facial every now and again. I was like, oh, that's how. Um, so that was nice. So yeah, went down to the room, got hooked up to the monitors. I had to be, yeah, they had to have the monitors on the whole time. And Violet was always down the bottom and pretty much in my pelvis the whole pregnancy and Audrey was at the top and she was transverse my whole day of labor so that was a bit concerning but they were pretty happy to just see how it goes and yeah so I got my waters broken at nine and that was weird because oh, I really don't like getting checked and just like your water's broken I feel like that's the most painful part of, of it's quite labor violating, me, isn't like it? just getting Oh, I said to Alex, I don't know if I consented to that, but anyway. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I got my waters broken and they just kept leaking the whole day. It was really weird. So I didn't feel like getting out of bed. And then they hooked me up to the Sintosin and there were so many things hooked up to me. So I just laid in bed for the whole day, swapping and changing sides. And I didn't really feel any contractions until about 12 so Alex and I were just sitting around in this birthing suite waiting for something to happen. It was so different to Harriet because I was already like full into contraction mm. mode when I came into the hospital. So we were watching daytime television. Alex was going over to the cafe, getting food every <laughs> half an hour, <laughs> coming back, telling me about who he ran into. And then, yeah, things started to happen at 12. So I called my midwife back in and I had to get the epidural straight away just in case things went really fast. So that guy came in and gave me the epidural and that was, yeah, it was a very weird sensation. I wasn't sure what it was going to feel like, but it wasn't as bad as what I'd kind of built it up in my head to mm. be. And it was weird for him because he's like, oh, you're like the most um, with it kind of patient that I've had to give an epidural to. Like normally when this happens, the girl, the ladies are like screaming at you to just get it in and get it done kind of situation. And fully then, in the throes of labor and they're going like yeah. you have to stay still and you're oh. like the last thing I can do right now is yeah. stay still is yeah stay still exactly yeah. so my so yeah, you're an easy candidate nothing. yeah like it was just period pain at that stage so then yeah 
they just came back in 20 minutes later, checked that I was all numbed up. So that was good. And then at three, I got like this weird like feeling like it was pressure, but I didn't think it was like pressure that I need to push because when I had to push with Harry, like you kind of turned into an animal and yeah. you start moaning and groaning, doing weird things. But this was just like a bit of pressure. So I kind of let it go for three contractions. And then I was like, oh, I'll just call the nurse, like the midwife back in. And she came. She's like, yeah, there's a head there. Oh, like, my wow. goodness. We'll get it. We'll, we'll get it. While you're watching going. daytime TV. <laughs> While I'm watching MasterChef Encore. Um, nice. Can <laughs> I just see who um, wins the, mar- the mystery <laughs> yeah. box challenge first? Yeah, <laughs> literally, because I'd missed it the night before because I fell asleep. So <laughs> I was like really into it. And anyway, so as soon as that happened, she almost, it was almost as if she'd hit the emergency button. Because ev- like everyone just started coming yeah. in, so they had to get like I had my obstetrician and then another obstetrician come in to help. I had two midwives. I had to have like the double incubator, the resuscitation table. The pediatrician had to be in there. I had an ultrasound machine in there, and then poor Alex in a wheelchair. So he got told where to sit and don't move because yeah. we need all the room we can have, kind of possible. So that all happened within like ten minutes, I think, and. Um, yeah, then I just had to push and little Violet came out super easy, I think within like two pushes and they put her up on my chest and she started to cry and it was really beautiful and I cut the cord for her and then they took her away and they were like, okay, we'll give you a rest for like a minute and then we'll get going again. And I was like, oh, my God, like I don't know if I have the energy mm, to yeah. push this other baby out. And so she was still, Audrey was still transverse across the top. So they kind of just like pushed the side of my stomach and like pushed her down. So where's Violet's placenta at this stage? So I only had the one placenta. Oh, okay. So I had two sacs and the one placenta. So it was still inside. And I didn't know how long the cord was going to be for both of them because I'm like, so is she going to be able to be on my chest (laughs) but still connected to the in-court, like the cord inside my my body? But it was really long. It's a crazy thought. Yeah, because they were like, well, technically you could birth Audrey out while while it was still on your chest, but I didn't want to, you know, accidentally drop her or anything. So they kind of just took her away. So, yeah, cut the cord. She went over to the pediatrician. Then Alex ended up holding her while I was giving birth to Audrey. They kind of pushed the side of my stomach. And I remember having to push a little bit longer for Audrey. And then all of a sudden I just felt this burst of water. And, like, my second waters had just broken all over my obstetrician. (gasps) And her whole face was just wet of, like, all my waters. (laughs) <laughs> it was the funniest thing and I was so apologetic at the time was and I wish I had my closed? eyes open. Oh, Sophie. <laughs> Luckily it was. Oh. And she had this apron on. She's like, that's why we wear aprons and I'll go have a shower after, don't worry. But I said to Alex, I wish I had my eyes open while I was pushing so I could see like what her face You're looked cruel. like. Imagine her. a slow-mo video of that. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, yeah, my waters broke all over her and then, yeah, two more pushes and she came out and she got placed on my chest as well and we did a bit of delayed cord clamping for her and then, yeah, they took her away and I birthed my placenta out and, yeah, then they went back on my chest. How it was, incredible. So, so she beautiful. just flipped around to head down? Yeah. So, yeah, the gravity and the pull of um, Violet came out kind of moved her around and the little nudge that the obstetrician gave on my side of my stomach kind of pushed her in the right way. So I actually didn't need 
any intervention at all to get the girls out, which was super, so super nice. Incredible. When you got home, did you have help? Like Alex obviously needs some help. You would have need a lot of help. Who was there? Did you have family and friends, extra carers? Yeah. So when I um, first told my parents that we were having twins, they moved they in. They first of all laughed really loud, <laughs> really loudly. They've got the same problem twin. as you. I've got a twin brother. Oh. Mum was like, yeah, I've got a twin brother. Wow. So that was pretty crazy. Not that it's genetic because the no. girls are identical and I'm fraternal, but still pretty crazy. Yeah. Um. So I guess mum and dad knew the hardship yep. times that were going to come with having twins. So it was about halfway through my pregnancy and mum was like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to move in? Dad's kind of said, you know, you should move down there, Julie, like you should be there to help. And I hadn't even put a second thought to it. I was like, I don't know, mum, like, yep, move in if you really want to. She's like, I don't want to do it if you don't want me to be there. <laughs> and I was like, no, move in. So she luckily took time off work and moved in with us. So she moved in two weeks before the girls were born to help with Harry because I was just so exhausted yeah. at that stage too. Um, and she was here for 12 weeks. Amazing. So, so how far away really do they lucky. live from you? About an hour and a half. So they live in, yeah, Dem in the Upper Hunter Valley. And Alex's parents actually moved from Aberdeen to Newcastle in the new year. So they live around the corner as well. Amazing. So we're very lucky and very fortunate to have them yeah. super close too. And so tell us how old are the twins now and what are those newborn days like with twins? So they are 11 weeks. They'll be 12 weeks this coming Monday. So it's three months, which is so crazy. But the first few weeks of having the girls was so, so good. And I don't want to sound like I'm like, oh, they were the perfect, perfect babies, but they literally were the perfect babies. And I don't know if it's because they were technically still meant to be inside of me that they just didn't realize they were out in the world but they just used to sleep and eat and they would feed at the same time and then go down and they'd sleep for three hours and I'd have to wake them to feed them would you have one Um, on each breast yeah yeah so in hospital I tried like three different breastfeeding pillows yeah and found the one that was the best for me and it's kind of like you know at the baseball in America where they go oh, who wants your popcorn who wants your yeah, ice yeah, cream yeah, yeah. like those kind of things it's literally like that strapped to me and I've got like a holder for your drink bottle or snacks oh, and then wow. the girls how are good. on the front how good <laughs> and you're kind of like holding them um like in a football I guess yeah. kind of hold but yeah so literally look like I was serving popcorn <laughs> and ice cream so yeah, that's super, super handy. If anyone is having twins, get yourself a breast friend pillow, I think it's called. Yeah. Because um, it's so helpful. But yeah, so the girls were super cruisy and easy and they would just feed and sleep and it was it was really good. But now they started to like wake up a bit more and want to be awake for a little bit longer and they don't really want to feed at the same time. So it does make it a bit trickier now. And have you, I mean, I know that kind of a lot of twin mums are very routine driven because they're like this is what we need to do to survive have you been that way or have you been just going with them at the start I was super routine because the girls were super routine because they were in the nursery at the hospital for the first couple of days Mm -hmm. they were like on a feeding schedule Um, so without me even trying they kind of went on to a feeding schedule of every three hours So that was really helpful at the start because you knew when you had to feed and I knew when I was going to be awake. So, yeah, we're kind of still doing 
I really want to extend it out to like four or five hours between each feed, but they're super gutsy girls. They just want to bloody feed the whole time. And so I'm still kind of feeding every three hours. And are you exclusively breastfeeding? No, I'm not. I give them a bottle once a night. So about the six o'clock feed, they get a bottle of formula to try and stretch them out that little bit longer overnight. And it does help. So yeah, Alex's mum comes around now or like if mum and dad are down, they'll do one of the bottles. Oh, that's beautiful. I'll do the other one. Yeah, because Harriet didn't take the dummy or a bottle and it really stuffed me because she would not feed any other way except for on the boob. So this time I was really determined to at least get the bottle in. And how did Harriet take to the twins? Oh, really good. So the whole pregnancy, she's been obsessed with them inside my belly. These are my baby sisters. There's two in there. We tried to talk to her about names, but she was like, no, they're just called baby sisters. Yeah, <laughs> duh. So that was a bit, you know, concerning when they were coming out. But, yeah, the first few days she was really standoffish and she, I think because they were so little and quiet, she didn't really want to touch mm. them. But now she's like second mum. She tries to pick them up and bring them over to me. <laughs> she wants to burp them. She'll get a burp cough. Oh, they're so sweet. And sometimes when I'm putting her to bed, I'll have one of the girls and I'm trying to rock her to sleep so she'll get her baby and she'll pretend to do the same thing. A few times she even saw me in the shower like trying to like get some of the <laughs> yeah. milk out of my boobs like to massage them out and the next night she's in the shower like oh, squeezing Oh, that little. is so beautiful. <laughs> oh, gosh, they're so sweet, the things they notice. Can she tell them apart? She can. She is so good at telling them apart. Like 90% of the time she will get them right without even looking at wow. them for like more than a second. I don't know how she does it because I can you tell like, them apart? To tell yeah. them apart. <laughs> I can, but like sometimes are they, it's a are bit they just miss. do they look exactly the same? Yeah, pretty much. One's got slightly darker hair, and Audrey luckily has a birthmark on her head. I was gonna say when they were first born to ensure you weren't feeding the same one over and over again, did you put a tattoo put on them? Anything on them, or did you just go by the birthmark? Well, when they were first born, Audrey, because she came down with so much force, she actually had really bruised eyes. Yeah. So they stuck around for, I reckon, three weeks. So it was super easy to tell them apart. And then I had bought bracelets, a gold and a silver bracelet. Oh, gorgeous. From the get-go so we didn't mix them up because so many people were like, what if you mix them up from birth and then really Violet is Audrey and Audrey's Violet for the rest of their days, but that's not actually who they are. And I'm like, ha-ha. <laughs> 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 but, hey, you'll never know and they'll like, never know. So, you know. Exactly. Exactly. We can't even do a test to see. Yeah, totally. <laughs> And so far, what has been the best and worst parts about having twins? The best part is probably just having two newborns because I just love newborns and their smell and they're just so beautiful and like two to cuddle and hold and seeing Harriet as a big sister. And the worst part is burping two babies. Yeah. Hands down. I hate burping. I hate burping babies. And having two to burp. Oh, when they were first born, it was super easy because they would both fit on my chest yep. and I could, you know, recline back and pat them both at the same time. But now that they're bigger and they're squirmy, like it's it's actually a challenge. So I've looked on like a few Facebook pages, like of mums of multiples and stuff, and um, I've put them like one across my legs now mm-hmm. and like patting her on like that and holding the other one. But it's all just a bit of fun and games. And is Alex <laughs> during the day able to help with that type of thing physically? Not the burping side of thing, but if I burp one and then he can hold her yeah. and she's pretty content, yeah, that's it. But like at the moment he's on baby duty, so he's like manning the bassinets. 
putting the dummies back in if they spit them out. Oh, yeah, good. Kind of situation. But he's been at home for this whole pregnancy and back fourth trimester, I suppose you could say, because he's not been allowed to go back into work. He's mm-hmm. not in like the NRL bubble. Mm. Where with Harriet, he went back to work like two weeks after she was born. Yeah. So it's been um, really good for him. He's really connected with the girls a lot quicker and easier and actually wants to help out. And what are other ways, because I guess you say that like physically he can't help as much, but I guess it's important for all partners to hear other ways that they can help. Like what are other things that he has done or you guys have decided are his role to really help out with the parenting? Yeah, so he is pretty much, I guess, your 1950s housewife, (laughs) house husband. Um, So he is in charge of cooking and I don't know, tending to me if I need my drink bottle filled or if mm-hmm. I need snacks, he'll get those for me. And Snack he's pretty bitch. much team, yeah, <laughs> he's pretty much team Harriet. So he'll, you know, spend lots of time with her and make sure she's got the attention that she needs and give her dinner. And then he gets our washing done. So that's technically him doing the washing and gets the ironing done. So that's, and there's, we've got a house cleaner too. So he organizes that kind of domestic side of life. Yeah, that's great. Very important. Which is super helpful. Which I think is helpful for anyone when they have their second child because you can't do that whole like team approach to the new, I mean, twins may be a bit different, but I feel like even with our second baby, like Nick and I couldn't both be doing all the baby stuff because there's a whole nother child to look after. There's the house to keep going. There's mouths to feed. Mm. Like you kind of have to take that approach anyway, hey. Yeah, and like really at this stage when they're just being breastfed, like you really can't do much in terms of that side of things. So, yeah, he's on the domestic duties. So good. And other than the popcorn carrier breast friend pillow, what are some (laughs) other newborn twin must-haves that you have come across? So this lady messaged me on Instagram, a page called Things for Twins, and she solely makes and sells, I don't know, baby things for twins. So she sent me a few things. So she sent me a twin carrier, Mm -hmm. front carrier, um, which has been really helpful. And she also sent me a twin feeding pillow. So you can sit them in this twin feeding pillow if I ever need to feed them a bottle um, at the same time or just to sit in. But yeah, just my feeding pillow has literally been my savior. Like that's hands down and a double pram. Of course. I was going to say that. And do they share a cot together or are they in single bassinets or what's the go there? So they shared a bassinet because they were so little and so cute. Um, They could share a bassinet until I want to say three weeks ago. And so now they're in their own bassinet in our room. But I think once they move into their room, I'll put them in the same cot because they they sleep so much better Mm, when they're together. Oh, my gosh. So so overnight normally they end up in the bed with us anyway. So that's so beautiful. (laughs) Did you or Alex have any gender disappointment having three girls? Oh, we put our gender reveal balloon pop on Instagram. Yeah. And I, like, after it, there's a few photos of Alex's face. (laughs) (laughs) And it's literally like he's just, his mouth is wide open and you can just see the fear in his face. But I think that's just the shock of having three girls. Yeah. I had a feeling that we were having boys. Alex thought we were having boys. Harriet said from the get-go that she was having a sister. So she kind of knew. But we weren't disappointed with two more girls like girls are fun and I think actually Alex felt a bit of relief because when we were pregnant with Harriet everyone was like oh you had like what if you have a boy will you let him play football yeah all those kind of questions that you just don't want to even think about like 
who cares what he plays if he does play football or whatever. But I think it was a little bit of relief, again, knowing that we were having two more girls and that he wouldn't miss out on, I guess, the masculine side of being a father and having, you know, the guilt of being, oh, I can't, you know, run outside and play footy with my son or soccer or, you know, wrestle him where I'm not saying that girls don't want to do those things, but there's not as much guilt inside of him to know that he can't be that father to his son, if that makes sense. And do you feel like you're done? I don't reckon you are. <laughs> I feel like you are handling it. Yeah, I reckon you are really handling I'm it. I'm not there in the middle of the night when you want to smother Alex with a pillow, but I think you are handling this whole twin thing extremely well. Imagine his look on his face sometimes when he, like, looks at me. He's like, have you fed them? I'm like, don't say anything. Like, just shut up. But do you think, though, like, do you ever think that you've got these embryos sitting there that you oh, don't it want? plays on my mm. mind all the time. Yeah, but like there's the another there. You can't have eight. I know. I, I, would I never sort of have think eight you could. Children. <laughs> God, no. I could. I would have to renovate my house, so that could be a nice little treat. Yeah. So we always wanted three children. Like when Alex and I spoke, he's an only child. I'm a child of three. So we always wanted to have three children, definitely. But I feel robbed of like my third pregnancy because. I've only been pregnant twice. Oh, so and you I loved would... being pregnant. Oh, I love being pregnant. Oh, for me, that's, I just say... that's an advantage of yeah. having twins to me because I hate pregnancy. Yeah, yeah, no, I feel robbed of it. No. We'll just, just have to agree think to of it. <laughs> No, but I'm just yeah. saying think of it Think of it in the other way that imagine then having another pregnancy and having twins and having that and then being so, also being so ill. Oh. Then you'd be would, like, yeah. never. Anyway. Nah, it's nah, if you got pregnant with twins again, you'd be sweet, you'd swan through it, you'd be all good. Oh, I'd be saying, mum, move in for the rest of your days. That's seriously. it, that's it. You're not, you're <laughs> and not how going was in. it? I mean, I don't know how honest you want to be because your mum will probably listen to it. How was it having your mum living in the house? <laughs> it was fine for me. <laughs> there was that nervous mom. laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's always taking issues with your parents or your in-laws. Like I've lived with Alex's parents when he was in hospital, so I guess we've kind of done both sides of it now. But having my mum here was super easy for me because I know who she is. and You can yell at her. Yeah, I can yell at her. I can tell her, you know, mum, what, like, what are you doing? But also I'm a kind of person that just, and I'm the same as my dad, will just let everything go over the top of my head. Like if someone's annoying me, I'm just like, oh, is it really worth my energy? I know, to go? you're very cool, calm and collected. But Alex is the opposite. Oh. <laughs> and because it was my mum, they are like the same person. They just have such strong opinions on things, so they kind of, butted heads a few times that's like my husband um, and my he mom he would never say that to mum. he's like oh he would just say it to myself and I'm like just just let it go like she's only here for 12 weeks like we need her yeah we can't live without her <laughs> seriously <laughs> yeah but no it was really good and super grateful and I hope she knows that we were super grateful that's okay she can come for another 12 weeks when the next twins are born that's okay yeah yeah <laughs> we'll definitely need her for the next one so any words of advice out there for uh, new twin mamas? You've just about made it through that fourth trimester. Any words of wisdom, advice for them? I would definitely say take whatever help you can get, like with anyone, arms wide open, just take it all. Mm. If your friend's coming around, you know, give them a baby to burp or give them a baby to bath. Like you cannot bath two babies by oh, yourself. Yeah. You cannot, like you just... There's so many things that you need to like an extra set of hands for. So just take the help wherever you can get it. And also like just don't have any expectations. Like that's how I'm kind of surviving at the moment. Like 
I just kind of wake up and, you know, if today's a shit day, like today is a shit day. Like there's no expectations of we're going to get out of the house six times. I'm going to play with Harriet. I'm going to do all these hands-on things. Like if Harriet needs to sit in front of the TV, you know, a couple of times a day while I'm feeding, that's what's just going to happen. So we are just here to survive at the moment. Well, you seem say. very, very level-headed <laughs> and you seem like you've got yourself together, which is very lovely to hear. Yeah, fingers crossed <laughs> <laughs> that it stays that way. If you don't hear from me for a while, it's because we'll I'm check really back in. things. Yeah. <laughs> you've jinxed me. Yeah, <laughs> give me a call in six months. <laughs> <laughs> when they're on the move. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't even want to think about that. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today to chat with us and share your beautiful motherhood journey. Yeah, I'm sure lots of people are going to get heaps out of this chat. No, thanks for having me. I'm always here to talk and chat to someone else other than the twins. So <laughs> anytime. <laughs> I hope we were slightly more responsive. <laughs> yeah, they have started gooing and garring. So <laughs> thanks, lovely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.